Out of the tunnel, out of the floor, it's the second hour of Sports Talk. We're so glad you're with us. My name is Scott Beatty, along with Evan Kahn. Go until 6 o'clock. Talk some NFL draft last hour with Mike Renner. And this hour, we'll talk some softball with Illini head coach Tyra Perry. And we are on the eve of the Big Ten tournament for women's basketball. But it's still two days until Illinois women play. They've got a bye. But we will visit with Megan McEwen from Big Ten Network to talk about the Big Ten tournament and prospects beyond as we head into the madness of March. This is this is the last non-March day. It is. This is the last non-March day. Next tomorrow, it's March. Tomorrow is March. It's your favorite month, arguably, as a sports consumer. You could say that. Not not in terms of the about of scheduling that we have to do here and <laughs> largely you have to have to do behind the scenes but in terms of just this is what we wait for it's it's one of the the top months w- without a doubt no good good sport is getting into you know its biggest month of the year in college basketball baseball's really starting up and because of the way the schedule lays out we'll actually get regular season games in this month so between this October, those are probably the top two months. What, what's beautiful November. about March is it, 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 it's baseball season, and no matter what who your team is, is you're not having a bad season yet. You cannot <laughs> say we're out of it yet. It's it's just like the scene from Major League. You know, everybody's sitting around. Well, we could be pretty good this year. You you know you never know. You'd never know. That's why uh, you go play the game. So. Uh, if you've got anything on your mind, chime in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Uh, Illinois women's basketball gets some honors today. Four on the All-Big Ten teams. Makaira Cook is a first-teamer. And then Genesis Bryant and Kendall Bostic are both second-teamers. Adelia McKenzie gets honorable mention. Uh, I guess I don't have any arguments with that. All expected, I, I guess you could say. A little unexpected, the fact that they named like 12 players to each the first and the second team. I thought basketball was played with five players. <laughs> but uh, other other than that, uh, good, good to see uh, all four of those get recognized. And I'm sure Shauna Green was on the honorable mention coaches team. <laughs> yeah, she was not given the Coach of the Year award. It just depends on... There's not a rubric for how no. you vote for Coach of the Year. So Terry Morin's done a great job. Mm-hmm. Indiana could win the whole darn thing. So cool. But I, I, Shauna Green, nonetheless, is getting uh, her, her attention, the attention that is due to her, I think. Well, and, and as we may get a chance to ask Megan McEwen later this hour, as we've kind of discussed here over the last few weeks, everybody's back from this Illinois team. I don't know if that's the case for the rest of the Big Ten and just natural progression and, and bringing in a, another freshman class and all of that. Maybe maybe Illinois is competing for a, a Big Ten title in women's basketball next year, and Shauna will, will get her roses at, at that time. Yep, and then get a Coach of the Year honor. Mm-hmm. Jada Peebles is uh, now in the starting lineup after at least has been in the starting lineup now that uh, – uh, Bridge Shoop Hill has suffered an injury. We talked to her and the senior about going into the Big Ten tournament. First of all, Big Ten tournament number six seed. That's that's got to feel good. 
Um, very good, very different type of level just going into it, very different packing level as well. Just It's just very different mindset going into that being from last place to sixth, it's, it's a big difference. Feel especially rewarding for you given all the years you've put in? For sure. I mean, coming in my freshman year, that's, that's the change we thought we were going to make from the beginning. But to see it now, I'm just very grateful for it. You've been pressed into service in the four spot and into the starting lineup. What's that adjustment been for you? Mostly just been rebounding, putting myself in there like that, and then taking the ball out of bounds when, when the other team scores. But other than that, it's just been getting back in the flow of offense with playing the four. The four spot is typically what I do is just catching and shooting and stuff like that. So it hasn't been much of a change, but just getting uh, better on the rebounds. Did it take a minute to figure out where you need to be defensively? No. On defense, they have a Adalia playing more of the four spot, but I, I guard the three. But on offense, it's been a mindset change of just where the four spot is, learning all those plays and stuff like that. Yeah, I flipped that around in my head. I forgot that uh, Jada was in a new position offensively, mm-hmm. not defensively. Uh, but anyway, uh, this team is, is in a, a good position, I think. I think they're in a good position, win or lose Thursday against either Rutgers or or Minnesota. Uh, excuse me, Rutgers or Northwestern. Um, probably with house money after that. Just win, win that that first one. Make sure it, I, I don't know exactly, but I think uh, Joe Vizelli w- was saying that Illinois or the women's team is kind of on that teetering line. Maybe that's more the the men's as far as making sure they get that by but uh you, you you get a win in that first day of the tournament and they should be fine yep absolutely all right so congratulations to them we'll get into uh more of it as we talk with megan later in the hour what else is going on for us today we've got men's hoops on thursday night by the way reminder our broadcast of men's hoops on Thursday night will break away for the women in the big 10 tournament so if you want the men's broadcast uninterrupted Head to our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. That's also where you'll find Evan and Mike afterwards for the post-game show. And if you would like women's hoops, then stay with us here on DWS. But you will get the bulk of the men's game before we break away. Mm -hmm. Just don't be alarmed when we suddenly break away because we are planning to do that because the the women are in the postseason and they rightfully get their spotlight on the airwaves spring training is going uh the cubs fans are holding their breath a little bit say a suzuki with an oblique strain and those are always kind of funky Mm -hmm. and hard to heal up i guess so what i'm not sure is is this a i don't know enough about him is this a couple of weeks is this a month is this well he's had this all year long and he's in the lineup and underperforming or what does it all mean? Mm. What does it mean, Evan? What does it mean? <laughs> That's what everybody always wants to know. What exactly does it mean? And, and as you kind of alluded to, it's similar to concussions in that everybody kind of responds differently to it. Not only that, but uh, as we know, I think baseball uses the obliques, and an oblique injury affects baseball players more than it would in, in other sports. You know, being able to to play through that if you can't rotate your your upper half you're you're losing out on half of the game so that's a a big hole he was gonna be a top four hitter everyday guy out in right field he's looking like Mike Trout with the weight training program that he went through in this offseason I I mean he was just a a real beefy boy you kind of worry that that might have played a a, a part in it the over 
I, I don't know exactly what it is, but Noah Syndergaard went through something similar to it a, a few years ago where he put on 30 pounds of muscle in the offseason and then second week of, of spring training, he, he, his arm was shot. So uh, going to be some, some shuffling around, but the Cubs have a whole bunch of guys that they were trying to figure out how they were going to fit into that 24, 25, 26-man spot uh, on the roster. So probably more at-bats for Trey Mancini and somebody who was kind of on that that border of getting cut or sent back to AAA might now make the roster. Um, in a meaningless game, the Cardinals won today. The games okay. are all meaningless. So I, I always get I, – I was just laughing because I have the notifications set oh. for all three teams, <laughs> and I get, you know – uh, the Cardinals win over the for, over the Nationals, and I I don't know. I think the Sox had a game already, uh, or maybe the Cubs game is done. I don't know. I don't care. I can't remember what the record of any team or how they finished in any year. I have no idea how World Series champions fared in that year's mm-hmm. spring training. Couldn't tell you. It's it's. But anyway, that doesn't stop the phone push notifications from telling you <laughs> who won. But uh, if uh, you might be happy, to, I always like that we. Goldschmidt and Arenado went back to back today. Oh. It's like okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I always remember, like a kid. Okay, good. They can still play. <laughs> they can still hit. You know, it, that's almost meaningless as well. I don't think the hitters need as much time. It's like you know, let's, probably let's, not. Let's get in. Let's get my timing down and and let's good. At a, I remember when the whole lockout or what was it? The opposite of the lockout. What did we have a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, it was a lockout. Oh yeah, it was a lockout. That's the opposite of a strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was. Part of this might be because the players just don't want to go to spring training. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, do we really need eight weeks, six weeks, whatever it is for spring training? They feel like they don't. Well, they. I, I don't know. Maybe they do. As far as I know, the majority of the Cubs players had reported by, like, February 1st. So I don't know if it's getting out of the house, if you want to get spring training started or, or what have you. But I, I don't know if they mind it so much. I, I wouldn't have an argument with spending a couple months in Florida or Arizona. Arizona. Just hanging out. Usually <laughs> they take, Especially this time of year. Usually you figure out how to take your family and you've got a place or whatever. There's some logistics to it, but they have a whole operation Who's, about that stuff. Somebody's contract, they had the details come out from this offseason. It might have been Dansby Swanson or it could have been somebody else, but written into it was one-way shipping for a vehicle each spring training. Do you remember seeing this? Yeah, I think that's standard, at Is least that, for the bigger... Guys yeah. that, that sign legit yeah. deals. Same thing with like the suites, right? Anybody who signs a deal that's not like arbitration, like they get a suite when you go on the road, things like that. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah, Manny Machado joins the $350 million 11-year club. I don't know enough about if it's backloaded or not, but mm. the Padres are just trying to buy a World Series. They are now the Yankees. <laughs> Remember when the Yankees used to do this? They just said, we're just going to spend as much money as possible and get the most talent, and then if we don't win, everyone's going to say, how could you not win with that roster? Good. Good. That's how it should be. Yeah. It, in, in supposedly a small market in San Diego is going out there, and they now have one, two, three possibly four $300 million contracts on the books. Let's see, Tatis Jr., mm-hmm. Machado, uh, Soto. And Bogarts. Xander Bogarts, yeah. That's mm. a team. Yeah, so so they've spent the money and, and kind of 
wouldn't have minded Manny Machado hitting the free agency market again in this offseason. The Cubs still kind of have a big hole at third base, but apparently Fangraphs does not like the way he's going to age. But what what does that mean? I don't know. All right, we'll come back. Uh, uh, let's see. Tyra Perry is up next, Illinois softball coach. Off to a 9-5 and five start. They had a 4-1 and one weekend this past weekend, including a walk-off winner. So we'll talk to Coach Perry and then Megan McEwen from Big Ten Network. You've got Sports Talk. Illini family, this is Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. The Illini play Thursday night. Listen in on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk continuing 525. Hope you're enjoying a nice sunset and some blue skies. Turning our attention to softball, which has already logged three weekends of play. Nine and five start for the Alina. The head coach is Tyra Perry. She joins us now. Hey, coach, good to have you on again. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, glad to have you. Um, Nine and five. I know you didn't get quite the weekend start you wanted. Opening weekend. How has your team responded uh, since then? I think we've uh, responded well. You know, we are we are playing at about I think sixty percent of our capabilities, and you know, and nine and five with that, and with wins against some you know really great teams. So um, I think I think we're well on our way. Yeah, and obviously this to me, I mean, the centerpiece. Uh, in the in the circle, of course, is Sid Sickles just just being her. Preseason, you said that that uh, you know she may have added a little wrinkle here or there. Is she um, bringing something new, or is, is this kind of what you've seen over the last couple of years in terms of her pitches? I think I think everybody needs a Sid Sickles in their life. Like she's just <laughs> a a top notch person and uh, works her her butt to be the best that she could. So we were in an 11-inning game uh, with Pitt, you know, who's really turned it on this year and has a great, you know, coaching staff and, you know, well-coached. And Sid just, you know, held it down until we can, you know, inch and run across. So uh, I think it's her work with Coach Van, you know, is, is has elevated her game. She's really learning just the little nuances of how to pitch and just uh, the little nuances of the game. And, and I think we're reaping the benefits. Talking with Coach Tyra Perry, Illinois softball. Hey, Tyra, this is Evan, and having Sid Sickles back in the circle is a big deal, and most of the roster is back from last year, but it's different at the catcher position, and Bella Loya moving on after being back there for so many years. So so how are, are things shaking out behind the dish, and, and what's that adjustment period like for the pitchers and the catchers? I think we're we're definitely in an adjustment period. Uh, we have Paige Berkmeyer, and she saw she's a sophomore. She made the Big Ten All Freshman Team. Uh, she saw quite a you know a, a good bit of action uh, last season. She started off slow. You know when we were in Clearwater, she was a little a little bit slow uh, to a start. We weren't expecting that, but she has gotten you know went home, went and got in the lab, and worked really hard and. Uh, you know, I think she's been a, a key player for us in these last few weekends. Um, Zoe Carroll has been out a little bit, but we're expecting her back soon. And then uh, Abby Reinick, uh has come along. She started out in the outfield for us, and now uh, she's been catching for us for two years, and she's getting some pretty significant playing time. 
And, uh, you know, so she's kind of learning on the job, but doing a great job for us. Do, do you have your catchers call the game, or are you calling that from the dugout? And is that part of the learning curve that they're going through? Well, we, we definitely call the game. Uh, Coach Van does a – I mean, it's a ton of video. Like, it's crazy the amount of video that has to be watched <laughs> before we play these games, which is why it's pretty crazy that we play five games in a weekend. You know, I think uh, we need to start taking a, a hard look at that and, you know, if, if that's best for the student-athletes. But uh, because of that, Coach Van, you know, takes the reins and, and calls the games. But uh, our pitchers can shake off at any time. And um, Sid does that, you know, whenever she feels something in her gut. And uh, whatever Sid, you know, shakes us off, then it's her, it's her ball. It's her call. You mentioned you're you're at at sixty percent. What do you need to do to get up to eighty and a hundred? I think right now some of our older players, our vets, we've been really leaning into them. So this isn't they're not listening to this and hearing this for the first time. We've been telling them to their faces, but uh, we think they just it's time to grow up and mature and 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 just uh, when we get in those key moments, they got to want to be there. Uh, and and I really do think that they want that, um, but we just have to kind of get to where it's part of our DNA. You know, and you meant like like you talked about Paige making some adjustments with with getting in the lab. So, is it clear to you? And you know, you you've done this for a while. When you look at a hitter that may be struggling, is it usually clear to you quickly? Oh, that's a mechanical issue. We need to look at video. We need to go through some reps. Or, yeah, I can tell there's something mentally or psychologically that needs to be adjusted. Oh, yes. I think, you know, over the years, we've kind of started to figure some of those things out. And that's why we work to, you know, just have some of the best relationships that we could possibly have, you know, with these young women, like just doing the recruiting process and, you know, watching them play and then watching them evolve in our system once they reach campus. Uh, I think we do a lot of work and a lot of research, you know, and just trying to figure out who they are as a person so that when the tough times come, we have, you know, suggestions, solutions, answers, you know, for, you know, how to get the job done. And a lot of times it is at this, at this level, you're pretty good, you know, with your mechanics. So a lot of, a lot of the, um, you know, the issues can be solved, you know, on the mental side, you know, so we, we, we know that. I've seen so many times that younger hitters, it, you can almost just see in the box, do they have a plan at the plate? I, I don't know how, I'm not a coach, but I can almost, you can just almost see in body language. Is, is that a, a big key for, for them? Just, you know, that they know how they want to attack this pitcher and what they're looking for and what they're going to lay off. I think so. You know, Scott, like, you've been with us for a while. So, like, our, you know, Nicole Evans always comes to mind. Like, you know, if the game's on the line and you can get to Nicole, then you know you have a chance. And the reason we knew that is because of just, you know, her body language. Nicole stepped up to the plate, you know, like it looked like she was seven feet tall and bulletproof, you know. <laughs> and, you know, whether she got a hit or not, you knew that she, she could and that she was going to really, you know, stick it to them and going to try. So, you know, we've just been having those sorts of conversations. You know, when you lose a, a Nicole and graduating and a, a Bella Loya and those guys, you know, it's just like, who's next? So we're just kind of waiting for the, the who's next. Well, you mentioned that you've leaned on the veterans for most of the early season, but uh, a stat line that popped out to me was Sidney Mallett, a, a freshman. Were, were you expecting 
big innings for, from her in the early season, and, and what have you seen out of her and her response here as a freshman? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, we were calling Sydney Sydney Mallet for a long time before one of her teammates told us that her last name was pronounced Malot. Oh. And it's not our fault either. Her her travel coach called her Mallet as well. So so it's Sydney Malot, and we call her Little Sid because of Sydney Sickles. So we have Big Sid and Little Sid. But uh, Malot, if you see her, like she's long and lean, and uh, you know she she is very intense. She works really hard. She's a travel ball teammate of Zoe Carroll and of uh, C.B. Mead, and then Addison Carroll, who's coming next year. They're all from the same you know, stock. So uh, we knew Malat was a, was a ball player and uh, she actually can play middle infield. She can play third, she can catch, you know, so you may see her all over the field, you know, when it's all said and done. And one of the knocks on her was that her bat, you know, wasn't fully developed. And then she gets in the Fordham game and hits a home run, you know? So uh, I just think she's a gamer. I think she has a high uh, softball IQ and uh, you know, that kid's just getting started. And just kind of going back to the pitching a, a, a little bit, we saw Sydney throw 11 innings on, on Sunday, and we're only in week three. So is there not as much of a, a build-up period for, for your pitcher's arms here in the early season? And will you, you be throwing Sydney out there a, a little more here as we finish up February? I guess February's over, huh? February is over. Um, <laughs> we can throw whoever we like. You know, we don't have any restrictions as far as like their, you know, their arms or, you know, number of pitches. So we can do whatever we want there, but we do have six arms. So we try to use them, you know, um, in conjunction with uh, just the game plan of whatever the opposing team's, you know, weakness is. We, you know, hope to have something to counter that. Uh, but we also have to go off of momentum, and right now Sid's, you know, locked in, and, you know, I thought the Fordham game got her going, and, uh, you know, she started looking really sharp at that point, and so so we've been, you know, putting the ball in her hand just to kind of set the tone. But uh, Lauren Wiles had a great outing. She, she's kind of been on, off to a slow start, but, you know, against uh, Houston Christian University, you know, Lowe was lights out and, you know, did a great job managing that game and Tori McQueen has had some great outings for us as well but the person you need to really watch out for is uh, Addie Jarvis you know she's been out a bit and as the dust starts to knock off uh, with her you know she's really shining and and coming in and doing some great things for us uh, so far. Tyra this weekend you're in South Carolina in Columbia with four different opponents over the weekend of course highlighted by the host game uh, the host Gamecocks. So uh, how are you looking at this weekend? Well, you know, we only have four games, so I think it's kind of, you know, a good thing. We've been, you know, doing the five-game thing. Uh, at, at Georgia Tech, uh, the ACC big, we had four. So I think it gives us time to really game plan, uh, really work on some things. Uh, there's, uh, you know, some our game times are kind of strange, so you know, we're going to kind of work through that. But and and there's some possible weather. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a little rain in the forecast. So, so all of those things we're just going to try to you know make sure that we focus on keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's playing great softball. But uh, you can't overlook anybody. We have to respect everyone. So we're going in there and just focusing on us and not who's on the other side. 
Coach, always great to talk with you. Um, can't believe you've, you've already logged, what, uh, 14 games, and there's a lot of season yet, but it's going to go by fast. Oh, it's already flying by, you know, but we're having a blast. We have a great team, and uh, we're just trying to keep them sharp and, and help them, you know, we're trying to help them play their best. Tyra, appreciate it as always. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your support of our sport. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Thanks, Tyra. That's Tyra Perry, Illinois softball. You know what I've learned over the years? It's funny when you when you asked about Sidney Malott, uh, never ask a coach for pronunciation. The number of times <laughs> that I've heard a coach, well, sometimes they'll say, I don't know, we just call her or I just call this. him, you know, whatever their nickname is. Okay, but this is how I have to refer to them, like, you know, professionally. Um, so it's like so. Oh. Shout out to to Tyra for knowing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew, but yeah, apparently. But see, she said her preceding coach didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that is so true. <laughs> I, I can see that. So find the SID, or you know, find a family member or something like you know, or go ask the kid. How do you say your name? <laughs> Sometimes the pronunciation guides aren't right either. That's always good. You you yeah. like to see that. Well, like they'll overthink how to say something. Like, but that's not okay. What you just or like said what is they not wrote what's out here. Isn't like yeah. how it's supposed. Don't to Don't overthink be. it. <laughs> it's just a pronunciation guy. Just anyway, that that's that's funny stuff. Uh, Illinois softball. We will have some games once again here on DWS, including their postseason and a, a, a handful of regular season games. Always a treat to uh, spotlight Illinois softball. All right, women in the Big Ten tournament. They play Thursday. The event starts tomorrow. Megan McEwen is an analyst with Big Ten Network, and she's with us after this. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who has one guy who might be able to save the Illini's season. It's Ty Rogers. Two regular season games remaining for the men. You'll hear them in part here on Thursday night before we break away to the women in the Big Ten Tournament. You'll hear them entirely on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. That's at home on State Farm Center against the Wolverines. And then Sunday, they wrap up at Mackey against Purdue. But Thursday night, Big Ten Tournament for Illinois is the sixth seed. The tournament starts tomorrow in Minneapolis. Joining us from there is Megan McEwen from Big Ten Network and more. Megan, great to have you back on the show. Hey, gentlemen, great to be back with you. Just literally just landed in Minneapolis, waiting for an Uber to get things started. So very excited for the tournament. It was obviously the best league, or the best, yeah, one of the best leagues in the country right now is the Big Ten. Absolutely. Um, all right, I'll, I'll start you out with this to see if you want to take it right down the middle or, or take a side here. Terry Morin wins Coach of the Year, and some <laughs> people are making a case that Shauna Green should have won it for this tremendous turnaround. So you want to take a side there or take the, uh, the high road? <laughs> I'm taking. Hey, I'm Swiss neutral on that one, 100. percent You know, it's so interesting because the job that Shauna Green did this year is fantastic for her to turn around. You know, a program that truly was nowhere near being even close to competitive in the Big Ten, and she put them in the top 25. They're an NCAA tournament team. I mean, that is worthy of Coach of the Year accolades. But also, what Terry Morin did was incredible. 26 wins is a program record. Indiana wins the Big Ten outright for the first time ever in school history. It's just, it's so hard. There's no bad choice necessarily. There are both great choices. But at the end of the day, I think people who voted, I actually don't have a vote, so I did not vote for this, but people who did have a vote felt that winning that outright championship had a lot of value. 
But listen, Coach Green is going to have many Big Ten Coach of the Year's awards down the path for her because that's as good of a job as she's done uh, so far this year in Champaign. Yeah, you know what? I secretly can't disagree at all with what you just said. Uh, and and it's both are due the attention they're getting, and I I get it. You, you win a league, and you're in position to be considered a Final Four contender and possibly win the whole thing. Yeah, you really should be considered as a coach of the year as well. So, uh, what are you? How are you looking at this tournament and, and this bracket as it lays out? Hey, this is going to be a fun tournament. You know, I really think that as competitive as this league has been from top to bottom, uh, you know, you see a team like Wisconsin who is a, a ten seed at the moment, and they've been playing incredibly over the course of the last three games. The Badgers have knocked down thirty three. They're shooting forty eight percent and just peaking at the right time. So a team like Wisconsin could maybe do some damage on day two that people aren't necessarily expecting them to do. You look at a team like Illinois, who has upset a lot of people and has you know caught a lot of people by surprise, that could also be a factor moving forward in the Big Ten. So there's just so many different teams that have so much juice. Michigan's a five-seed. What's incredible is you take a look at the Big Ten this year, five different teams were in the NCAA top 16 reveal. So that means that they're going to be a top 16 team, and they get to host the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. To have five big teams, 10 teams in there is unheard of. It's fantastic. It just goes to show you how deep this league is from top to bottom. Talking with Megan McEwen, Big Ten Network women's basketball analyst. Hey, Megan, this is Evan. And kind of along those lines, we know there's a lot of teams that have punched their ticket into March Madness. Is there any team in the Big Ten that needs a good showing up in Minneapolis this week to make sure that they're not on that bubble come Selection Sunday? Purdue is a team I think that needs to win a game just because the committee has not necessarily been friendly towards the Big Ten, as history has shown us. Last year was a year I thought that the Big Ten could have gotten seven teams in, uh, but you have a team like Northwestern who, because Illinois got COVID last year, um, and they didn't have to reschedule their two games against Northwestern. That would have given Northwestern 20 wins, and they would have been in the tournament. Uh, so th- unless you have, like, 20 to 21 wins, the committee is not going to be kind to you. So I think Purdue, who's sitting right there at about 20, if they can just get one more win in the tournament, I think it's really going to solidify them. A team like Nebraska, who's kind of on the bubble right now, I'm just not sure that they're going to have a strong enough resume to get into the tournament. But that's a team that's going to need to, like, make a run all the way to the final day in order to be considered for the tournament at this point. And with all those teams towards the top, and it sounds like the Big Ten's got a little more respect this year than maybe years past, are those teams positioned to make deep runs into the tournament, maybe that they haven't been in the past few seasons? Absolutely. I think Indiana more so than any team because of the depth and the discipline that they possess. To have six different players average double figures in scoring forces opponents to truly have to pick their poison when it comes to guarding a team like Indiana. When you get to March, more so than anything, depth becomes a huge factor because you're playing games in such a short span without a lot of time to recover. So veteran teams tend to excel as do, um, excuse me one sec, as do teams that, you know, have that type of depth that have dealt with, um, you know, health all year long. So, I can really see a team like Indiana going far. Even Iowa has some added depth that they didn't have before that I think could really help them with Hannah Stolfi and Molly Davis as well. So Maryland's a team. Another team that's peaking right now and also has some depth. You have to have at least seven or eight players to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, we've found. And you have three or four Big Ten teams that do possess that. How do you think the uh, the, the top 
teams in the Big Ten would stack up against some of the other top teams in the country? Is it, in, in terms of, is there something that stands out stylistically about Big Ten teams versus the other top teams in the country, be it your, your South Carolinas, your Yukons, your Stanfords, whatever it is? Indiana is a team that stands out to me because they have such a dominant post player with Mackenzie Holmes. I think when I take a look at, you know, everyone's going to talk about South Carolina. I think the one team in the Big Ten that can keep up with South Carolina is Indiana because of the size that Mackenzie Holmes has to guard Leah Boston. And then the Indiana guards are quick enough to keep up with South Carolina's guards. So I think that could be a really unique matchup. Um, anytime you're playing a team like Iowa, who can score at such a high level, they're going to outrun a lot of people. It's going to come down to can the Hawkeyes consistently defend at a high level. It's all about matchups as we get into this time of year. People want to knock the Big Ten all the time saying, well, the Big Ten doesn't make it very far in the tournament. It also matters, you know, about matchups. I'm still going to die on that hill that the Big Ten is the best conference in the country this year because of the overall body of work. But it's really hard to make that argument to people who don't follow the league closely when teams lose on the first weekend of the tournament. Uh, Caitlin Clark, is she done this year? Oh, no, no, no. She'll be back. Well, okay, let me ask you, why isn't why isn't she a pro? Well, first and foremost, she's a junior athlete. Technically, she could go to the WNBA, but she loves Iowa basketball. She's a kid from Iowa. She wants to play four years under Lisa Bluter, and she truly has embraced that fan base. A huge factor, too. Look, people are not going to be as enticed to go pro early because you can now make money in yeah. college with NIL. So it's going to keep kids in college longer. Uh, you know, look what happened, you know, you think somebody like Kofi Goburn, um, who, you know, if he would have been able to have, you know, a ton of money in college and he would have been able to benefit from NIL longer, who knows um, how much he could have made fully in four years. But that being said, I think that the fact that she can make money right now, in addition to her team's really good, and she's still garnering a ton of national attention, there's no need for her to go pro. She loves her teammates. They have a goal. They want to win a Big Ten regular season title. They want to win the Big Ten tournament. They want to win a national championship. And she's so determined and loves Iowa so much that being pro is not important to her. Are they? What's their vulnerability? It seems to be defense, and I don't know if that's if they're taking a page from the men's side. Um, they just both <laughs> stylistically can shoot lights out at times, and I know Caitlin's in, in, in another level there. But uh, on, on the flip side, you know they they seem to have a little more of a, a kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. Well, that HTM defense. Hope they miss. Um, it's <laughs> it's certainly a a tough thing for both the men's and women's teams. But that being said, Iowa style they play so fast that, and Lisa Bluter will tell you this herself, the way they play, it doesn't necessarily allow them to defend at a high level because, one, the pace, but, two, it creates more possessions for their opponent, so, therefore, more opportunities for their opponent to score. That being said, when you get into, like, the NCAA tournament, you have to find ways to consistently defend. And we saw glimpses this year of Iowa defending at a high level. They didn't do it against Illinois the first time those teams met back in January, but they, they have done it throughout this season, and it's going to come down to, you know, just being really connected on ball screen defenses in addition to being able to stay connected when they go back and forth between their man and zone coverages. I just think if they can get that defensive piece to really rock and roll, this is a team that's poised to make a deep run in March. Sometimes you see in these tournaments the teams that don't have as much at stake 
um, you, you know, Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Maryland, for, you know, the double buy teams, for example, they know they're in the tournament. They know they've got probably good seeds and may not really miss out if they even lose, um, especially when you get to like the semis. Um, does that maybe give an advantage to an Illinois or to a Purdue uh, who, who, you know, they, they have more to move up with than anybody else has to lose? When I look at the teams like Ohio State and Michigan in particular, those two, they have to play well in this tournament because they want to host the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. And if they lose in the first round, there's a very good chance that they'll move off one of those top 16 seeds and they'll have to go somewhere as opposed to staying at home. So for them, like, it's crucial for all those teams. And it's kind of, you know, the, the catch-22 of the women's basketball tournament, the fact that the top 16 seeds do host the first and second rounds. It's great for the host sites, but it stinks for, you know, the teams that have to kind of travel and play an away game, essentially, when you're in, in you know, in theory, you want to play on a neutral site for those tournament games. But that being said, it, people want to win games. It, it's not you don't go into a tournament like this with the mindset of oh it's okay if we lose. Like no, you want to at the end of the day. There's a certain level of pride you get when you can cut down nets on Sunday sure. in the finals and have that Big Ten tournament championship on your resume. It just makes everything a lot stronger for you when the committee goes to look at you on Selection Sunday. A lot of teams after this weekend are going to be off for 10-plus days until the uh, women's NCAA tournament starts concurrent with the men's. Do you like that gap between the regular season conference tournament and the start of March Madness? I don't. You can blame the media for this because I know that they have to stagger it out so we can get all the games aired on television. It's really tough when you have some momentum built. I mean, imagine, think of it like this. You know, say a team like Illinois, which is very likely. Say they make a run to the championship game. And then you got to sit for 10 days. Like, you have all that great momentum built up. I think this, this sweet spot is you get a week. That way you can recover after playing three or four straight days and then, you know, just get ready for the next thing. It's kind of hard to sit and wait. You get a little antsy. But, you know, at this point, a lot of schools are on spring break during this time. So there's really – it's kind of nice on the flip side that you can just focus on basketball versus having to worry about school and finals and all the things that come with that. It's a long gap, though. It's definitely, like – it's tough to have to wait for so long. All right, Megan, so who's leaving Minneapolis, the Big Ten tournament champ? Guys, I've been asked this like four times today, and my <laughs> answer keeps changing, and that's how good this league is. I know it's like giving me, stressing me out. Who's going to win? Um, I think Indiana right now is the best built team to make a run and win because of that depth that I spoke to earlier. And nothing's going to surprise me. If Maryland wins this tournament, I will not be shocked. <laughs> if a team like Illinois or Michigan gets the semifinals, that will not shock me. That's how good this league is. Nothing will be surprising at the end of the day. Um, I mean, look, Iowa can win this. It's just, you could, like, I mean, it's like playing Mad Libs. Just pick and plug in the team and see what spits out at the end. Megan, it's fun to talk with you. And, I, hey, I know that we got to get you on for a segment on, on men's hoops, too, because I know you hang with those guys after dark and uh, talk about the men's uh, picture as well so uh, maybe we'll get you on for that too but we'd love to do it at least one more time here as we get into march madness hey love it love hanging with you guys love chatting with you guys and um yeah anytime you you know where i am well i'm in minneapolis right now hopefully uh the blizzard that's supposed to come in on wednesday doesn't prevent teams from getting here so wish us luck <laughs> nobody could have thought that in mar in february or in march in I mean, minneapolis right, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. You'd have sunk. Yep. Should have done it in Clearwater. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll put you in charge. We'll make you the next Big Ten commissioner. There we go. Love it. All right. Hey, thanks, Megan. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay. Thanks, That's Megan. Megan McEwen, Big Ten Network analyst, former uh, Northwestern player as well. Minneapolis, Florida. I mean, we take it out to California here in a couple years. We're, we are the, a conference of the nation. The nation's Big Ten conference. America's conference. There you go. Back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Oop, that music can come out of nowhere sometimes, can it? <laughs> All right. Uh, great to have have everyone with us today. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, Tyra Perry, Illinois Softball, Megan McEwen, Big Ten Network, at Bond on the other side, and uh, it's a it's a free Tuesday for you, Evan. Yeah, no no tacos tonight, but the times are a changing up in Chicago. Arguably, the second longest face of pro sports in Chicago has moved on. Patrick Kane yep. headed to the New York Rangers. Hard to believe that was. T- 13 years ago when they won their the first, first cup. And anyway, wish him well. Maybe he'll get a chance there with the Rangers. We'll see. We are back tomorrow. Brett Bielma with us in the first hour. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Good night. Good night.